Hello, everybody. Welcome to Drop the Needle in the Haystack, episode 26, a podcast where we use the Forgotify website to listen to tracks on Spotify that have never been played before, and then we talk about them. And I'm Robbie, and I'm joined as always by my hosts, co-hosts, Eric and Matt. Uh, how you guys doing? Hosts, co-hosts? I'm doing pretty good. It's a balmy 70 degrees today. It was, it's, it's, spring is like, you know, just around the corner. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. How about you, Eric? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I can't complain. And you're right, spring hasn't quite sprung, but can definitely see it coming. Oh, it's on its way, Eric. I saw some, like, some buds shooting out of the ground today. That was pretty nice. Bugs or buds? Buds. Uh, also so bugs. He, though you um, know we will be getting bugs shooting out of the ground. We will. In the summer, it's the, the oh, fucking cicadas are going to be back. Is that an yeah. Ohio thing? It's cicada season in Ohio. Uh, we're in the 17-year brood, so they come up once every 17 years. We're about to get millions and millions of cicadas over the next two months. Is this a, oh, boy. Is this a real thing? Like, this is a real thing. That's the all, worst thing in the world. All Ohioans know this. Like, it's been oh, yeah, 17 years. It's a big deal. Years. Yeah, once a, literally yeah, out of like a horror movie, once every 17 years, all the fucking cicadas will ruin your life. That's like that's like the long Third. winter. Like, Matt? Have you ever experienced a, a cicada summer like that? No. All right, so I mean, cicadas. I don't. Have you seen a cicada? Like I mean, in like, yeah, I, I, on Long Island, there are plenty of cicadas like in the mm. summer. Yeah, like they're massive, right? Yeah, and loud. Yeah, yeah. they're yeah. massive and loud. So just millions and millions of these massive bugs just flying around you, at you, on molting you. on your house, molting on you, molting on your trees, just like. You know, coming so, out of their shells. I don't know. Like, what's the hypothetical? Is like, are you going to go outside and your car is just going to be covered in like cicada shells? Yeah, it's not unusual. Yeah, to Re- see like really? just trees completely covered. Yeah, depending That's... on where you are, it's like worse a little farther south than Dayton, but like mm. Cincinnati. I've oh, never heard. God. I've never heard of this before, like ever. It does only yeah. happen in every Ohio, seventeen have... years, so we That's tend such to forget an about it. Number. Why? I know cicadas. What the fuck? Like. Actually, do, Robbie, do, do Ohioans prepare for this? Are they like talking about it on the news? Like, don't forget, it's the seventeenth year. Oh, how could we forget? There are two broods in Ohio, so actually, it happens every fourteen years for one brood, and every seventeen years for the other brood. So we, they're kind okay. of interchangeable. Like, they don't line up. So the last time we probably got a brood was I don't know eight no, nine years ago. Wouldn't they eventually line up though? Oh yeah, eventually. But I mean. So there's going to be one year where both broods are, are like, lined uh, I up, hope right? I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I die before that. Wow. I never yeah, want to see that. What's the math on that? What's the math? I'm going to, I'm going to read up on this because like, I've never heard of this. Um, geez, the worst crazy. part for me is that you can be walking around and not realize that you have like five on your back and you'll have five on your back before you even know it. <laughs> Someone will tell you there's a bunch of cicadas on you. Really? Are you yeah. just like messing? No, I mean the amount of cicadas is like horrifying. It's it horrible. is truly it's like plague levels of cicadas. Eric, we gotta move. We can't do I this. I know. I know. It's too much. Oh They're wow! Yeah, that's so interesting. I just looked it up. Some people move to Ohio to just to study the cicadas. Like that's so weird. Yeah. I mean, we had like 50 dead ants in our kitchen when we woke up the other day. Don't know why that happened. Dude. Hmm. They were all dead. We don't know what happened. 
Ant War. Cat's got him. Ant War. I think I think it was Wally, but like they weren't near any of the food, so we don't know really what happened. Hmm. I don't know. But anyway, off of bugs and on to music, right? Right, and I'll be right. le- yes. Transition to something pleasant, please. Anything to forget the horror that awaits us. <laughs> uh, well. Anyway, oh, fucking, it's just after everything's opening up again. Oh, wonderful summer. Oh, not for you, Ohio. Look at all these fucking bugs that are going to be here. <laughs> uh, anyway, my, I got one. I have the first one, in fact. It's from an artist called Amelina. Now, Amelina, that is uh, her stage name, and I believe her full name is Amelia Claudia Garcia Colleres. Uh, you have to pardon all these pronunciations I'm about to have, because um, she's a Brazilian singer and songwriter. And from what I can gather, she began her career in the 1970s, and she's associated with these other uh, singers and musicians from a particular region in Brazil. I believe it's Sira is one of the the areas in Brazil, and there's um, other, you know, singers like Belchior, Wagner, and Ed Nardo. It seems like she also, for a time, was working with or worked with uh, Vinicius de Moraes who did the lyrics for a lot of the Bossa Nova tunes we might know, like Girl from Ipanema, all, all in the original Portuguese, but he sort of worked a lot with Jovim. Um, so she seems to come from a kind of a very vibrant artistic and musical movement out of this particular region in Brazil that I was not familiar with. Uh, and we'll talk a little more about the music, but first, let's take a listen. <laughs> We, we only got to listen to uh, 30 seconds there, as per usual. But really, I would, well, for all these, of course, go and listen to any of the tracks we talked about. You can find them on Spotify. But for this one in particular, it's only 2 minutes, 2 minutes, 16 seconds long. And it has a lot of really nice songwriting and really nice progressions uh, built into it. It has the an introduction, which is very different, but still manages to be connected to all this later stuff. And then... We listen to is kind of the finale, I guess you could say, because it has that duo part where those voices start to overlap. But the way that the whole song kind of progresses from one element to the next is is very uh, intelligent, very smartly put together, and really engaging to listen to. I was telling Matt and Eric, this is one of those songs that I keep listening to over and over because it's so... Uh, well, it's only two minutes, so it's, it's short, but it's also very concise in its information. There's a lot in a small amount of space so you i feel like i'm really listening to a very well thought out idea in 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 a tight time uh, or a tight time limit of two minutes there but yeah what do you guys think like you i really like the progression and how the song unfolds something specific that i really like about the way they were phrasing and that pseudo like canon section that we just listened to it's not really quite a canon more of a duet but is they end their phrases a lot of the time with this lilting upward motion. This is really, really nice and adds to the overall pleasantness. I don't know, the the levity of this section. I really wish I knew what the lyrics were talking about, but I can only imagine that it's a positive thing. 
you know, I want to go back and, and look up the lyrics later. Yeah, just really, really nice find. Lovely voice. Both singers have lovely voice. And uh, yeah, very, very musical. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I mean, I just have to agree. As this unfolded and we, we almost listened to like the whole thing on our first pass through, which we don't actually usually we do like for the entirety of a track. Again, you know, this one's kind of short, but um, so there's a lot of stuff I want to touch on about it. I mean, first off, the introduction is just so nice. I love the way that the voice interacts with, I don't know what that instrument is. I would guess accordion, but it might be like a, uh, what's the bandonian or even like a, a harmonium right. or whatever. Yeah, so one of those accordion-like instruments. Yeah, it could be some kind of accordion uh, cousin, I guess. And then the the second kind of uh, course that happens is also, again, like I think that the songwriting elements really come through. But this duet's so interesting. I, I was actually thinking the same thing as you, Eric. I almost wondered if it was a canon on the second listen through because like the voices aren't interacting in a way that we usually expect in a duet. Because like, first off, in pop music, duets are kind of rare. But if they are occurring, it's... Um, usually like homorhythmic at the very least, you know, same words, same rhythms for the most part and complementing one another through like harmony. And in this, it's like the voices are just kind of like weaving in and out, sometimes right. like stepping around each other at times, forming moments of harmony and a lot of like rhythmic counterpoint too. It was very engaging and like very interesting to listen to. And I agree. I do kind of wish that I, I knew what these lyrics were about or if i spoke portuguese but there's so much musicality happening and, and i liked your choice of word eric uh levity to this this song like it's it's just so bouncy and light and like fun yeah i, I just loved everything about it as like the more we listen to it. it yeah it does have there's a certain quality to to the voice that's very that's very light very airy sort of and i think the accordion or, or whatever specific instrument it is it's a really well i think i'm a fan of the accordion and those kinds of instruments especially this maybe mellower sort of voiced version of it because i think it's got a just a really nice way of complementing a voice um and i think all those little flourishes really add to the elements there but you know matt what you mentioned about the the duet there that that's really interesting to to think about and you you're right you know on the pop music it's like like you say, especially homorhythmic, they're doing it at the same time. And something like this, you know, it almost reminds me of like the kind of thing you might hear in musical theater, where it's like yeah. two characters are sort of talking about something, you know? Where like they music, the, they, they make a discussion, a conversation into music. With right. Like, you know, quick interjections sometimes, or moments like um, even, even Mozart opera will do that sometimes with these little comic duets between two characters that are like maybe having some kind of like dispute even. Mm. Oh yeah, isn't that like the marriage of Figaro? Doesn't it start with him measuring out like the room and then yeah. every other character is kind of like singing their whole, whatever yeah. their bullshit is, you know? They chime in and at times, again, they, they, they harmonize with the voice, but then at times they step over one another in an mm. intrusive way. But this isn't intrusive at all. It's just, it's like dancing. It's like they're actually dancing with their voices in a way. It does. It's very evocative of that. Like it's very easy yeah. to picture and just the masterfully done weaving in and out. That's what gets me is like to be so stable 
and your pitch and rhythm with such complex lines, you know, while someone else, while also listening to someone else do their complex line is not an easy thing to do, you know? You know what else? I don't think I would be able to track one of the voices through the duet. Yeah. They they match one another very well. Not in like a bland way. They like they no. blend together. Hmm. For two voices, that's hard. I don't if I had to do this like dictation, I wouldn't know who's doing what kind of thing. Right, right. It'd yeah, at times I almost wondered if he if she recorded over herself. That's mm. how good they are at matching. But that might be. I don't know. Maybe she did that. Could be. It could be, but I could also believe that, you know, I kind of want to believe it's two just yeah, because <laughs> it's so impressive. Like, yeah. but, And uh, I think I, I like what you mentioned about the, the rhythms there, too, and that, that end of the phrase, Ina, that kind of da, da, that sort of thing. They're always like, I don't know if it's like one eighth note or something behind one another. So it's like you get the impression of one following the other kind of like I, I think that's probably or, or that's part of like the dancing elements. It's they like, also come together on the downbeat to like the phrase ends and everything stops for like three beats or something which right. makes it also extremely satisfying when it just like boom one moment of all together it's good oh boy it's just yeah the more you talk about it the more good musical and interesting stuff you can talk about with this one and it's only like two minutes long so i like it's what you said to too about like it's only two minutes and you just need to keep listening to it and songs like that there's there's plenty where um it's almost like I wish it was longer, but then I think it would lose some of its like charm, right? Right, right. It's like yeah. it's so tightly constructed and so complete sounding. It's like I just got to keep doing the whole thing again. I yeah. don't want the more of it. I just want to hear the same thing again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be listening to that on repeat later. It's just like such a nice little bop, you know. We were we were both just kind of like, you know, bopping our head along to it. Like it's just great. And, yeah, well, I should say I, it looks like Amalina is, is still alive now, so you can Google uh, Google her. I, I, a lot of this is in Portuguese, but you know it might be worth taking a look because she has quite a long discography dating back to her the start of her career in 1970, whenever. Wow. Yeah, but I think you guys got any more on that one? I think we could move on to uh, Eric's selection for this week. Yeah, why not? All right, so unfortunately. Um, unlike Robbie, I could not find anything out about the artist we're about to be listening to. We're going to be listening to Kim James play the only track he has on Spotify. It's called Too Good to Be True, and it's spelled the number two, good, number two, just the letter B, and then true, and it's on a self-titled album. But let's give it a listen, and then we'll talk about it. Okay, so that's just a little bit of Ken James. I think this one's really interesting, and I think what caught my attention, it's been a couple weeks since I found this on Forgotify, but I think what caught my attention is that the level of playing is clearly very high, and yet the production value is about as 
bad as production value can actually be to you know to kind of get into it i think we have to understand that this was recorded in 2010 at least that's what spotify is telling us and it sounds like everything is just like done through GarageBand on a digital piano kind of input thing. It's just the production value is, yeah, it's, it's as low as you can get. There's a little bit more I want to talk about, but let's first uh, hear what you guys think. Matt, Robbie? Yeah, um, that's exactly the reaction I had. Like, there's some really nice idiomatic things happening with the piano playing. I especially like how, like, natural and free the right hand sounds on those those little like arpeggiated falls downward um, and clearly like the the grasp of the the style is there but it just sounds like stock effects the whole thing it sounds yeah. like stock yeah garage band the first samples that you load up for the respective like instrumental families in the track you know like mixing isn't um, the balance isn't bad everything like kind of comes through but also kind of doesn't because it's all like stock effects i mean yeah it's an interesting like conundrum of like does that cheapen the quality of the music i guess but why don't you talk about that a little bit robbie with the piano playing and everything uh, that's a good question because I, I mean i definitely agree with you guys some very you know nice blues playing there very slick very solid rhythmically and, and like you say it's got all the kind of idioms or all the things that sort of exist in this blues or, or especially like new orleans piano playing kind of idiom it's kind of got like a second line rhythm along with uh, all those um some of the latin elements with it so it's nothing bad to say about the playing or anything but yeah it does like the piano effect is just really jarring it's very much like if you go to you like go to your basement and pull out your old casio and then click demo and this is basically what you will hear exactly mm. this yeah that's true that's a good and i mean because it's like all the notes are right the rhythm is good and like you can even hear you know it's not like though the background is much louder than the main part i can clearly hear like the piano is forefronted in the mix it's just mm -hmm. all the sounds are bad <laughs> i just don't like this piano sound that's i don't know i don't maybe i'm Maybe I'm a snob or just a weirdo about this, but I'm real particular about using an actual piano sound on not a piano. I, For me, nine times out of ten, if I have a choice, if I'm at a keyboard, I'm just going to use an electronic piano sound or something else. Because, I don't know, they never sound good enough, I, I don't think. I'll do it if, if people tell me to, like if I'm playing a gig and they want like piano, I'll do it. But if I get to pick... It's just, it's normally jazz anyway, and I can, and, you know, case or something like the Fender Rhodes will also be appropriate. I just don't, I don't know, it's hard to get right. Do you have, like, a selection of piano sounds that you do like, like good piano samples? Uh, well, mostly on, well, there is, like, have you guys seen the Yamaha Keyscape thing? Have you ever yeah. seen any of those videos? Those are good. Those are, like, really nice, especially you know and you get to high-end keyboards like even mine is not super high-end it's got some particular oh i'm trying to find the one yeah all the ones i like are called like grand natural or, or grand regular or something because a lot of the times you get like a lot of weird echo like if you yeah. do just grand piano or like romantic grand piano what that seems to mean is like this one's echoey 
This one's like, got some verb on it. Yeah. yeah. There's some good VSTs that are downloadable though. Like I think I think that there is a big interest in making good VSTs freely accessible. I had someone point me to like a it's it's got some brightness that I don't like, but I think it gets I can tweak it in logic. Right. So in like a you know VST realm, I think that there's plenty of good piano samples. But no, I do are, agree I, with you yeah. that on most like hardware keyboards where you can't change the sounds and you get what you get, hmm. um, yeah, a lot of them leave a lot to be desired. And I just figure if I've got the well, maybe I, I, I have the freedom because it works well in jazz. You can do whatever. But I just figure, why would I bother with something like this when the electronic keyboard sounds perfectly fine and is not like a pale imitation of a real instrument? Yeah, I think that that comes, that hits the nail on the head right there. A, a cheap imitation, right? That's all you're ever going to really get with a keyboard. Well, I shouldn't say that. You can get really high-end, and like Matt said, there's downloadable ones that sound really great, and I'm sure there's some tech out there. I'm not familiar with it, but that's just what I tend to do, or what I do at least on my when I have my keyboard out and about. I mean, you know, each instrument has its own problem with any attempts to sample or digitize the instrument. I think, frankly, piano is pretty high on that list of, like, sampling sounding good because it's in the percussion family and the right. percussion waveform is just so much more manageable what is it the yeah yeah no yamaha does like the hybrid pianos have you seen those robbie they look like little tiny grand pianos i'm thinking of what susan and nick have in their concert yeah. truck yeah. i haven't seen it what are these they're like electroacoustic pianos where they look like really really baby grands but they're <laughs> electric you nice. can plug them into and I remember someone oh, in Peabody got one like in their apartment and it was like pretty cool and the action was pretty good according to her and like yeah. I mean that's why you buy them so that you yeah. can plug in headphones and the action still, you know, feels like a real piano. But if we're thinking, you know, this is 2010 and we're thinking of the technology of the time, I kind of can get myself like back into the my memory vault of like what the samples were like at the time. But I think this really just speaks to like, you know, the hobbyist home musician, right? In like whatever level of tech that they have for their like little home studio, right? I mean, this could very well be like a Logic makes this kind of, a, or GarageBand will make this kind of like back demo track for you or like kind of help you do it with AI. And it yeah. enables someone like this to do this kind of like home music producing, right? Which brings me to the other part of the topic I wanted to talk about why i think it's actually me getting on a soapbox but recording for real is expensive like right yeah like if if i don't know if people realize how expensive it can be but let's say you want to go into a studio and i don't know how many instruments would you say is in is are being sampled here i wasn't really counting it but. sounded like uh the the piano guy is doing himself but yep. then there's a percussion bass and brass kind of synthesizer yeah, yeah like a brass section and i would if guess this is supposed like... to be latin jazz then like you would expect some kind of like horn section right yeah so like six seven musicians probably minimum if, if i had to guess depending on how big the horn section is so like let's say this guy wanted to record this for real and like have every musician there plus him I mean, you're looking at 
this is a four minute track three yeah about four minutes that's like a couple grand easy easily yeah easy i'd say you're getting close to 10 yeah yeah, yeah it's a couple grand if you do it cheaply yeah but you like actually want you know the highest quality highest level in a good studio with good microphones good a good engineer sound, yeah good sound yeah. technician and engineer thousands and thousands of dollars so it's just so prohibitively expensive that it's really nice that you know he can even get the opportunity to do this at home that we live in like a world where right he could make this on his own i mean like i made a crappy silly little song over the summer i i made like my own fake um k-drama soundtrack to like share with my friends and, um, well, we now you've got to share it with everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like in the back burner, but it's um, you know, I made it through Logic, and I made it through a lot of the uh, stock, not not effects. Yeah, no stock effects. Um, and AI from Logic because Logic will do this like it has drummer AI, where it like oh, fuck. Have you seen this, Robbie? I haven't, but it sounds it's crazy. It's it's really cool. Like you can customize the style and like how active you want the hi-hat how complex you want like the backbeats what genre the music is and like you can, you can do a lot of customization and it's actual ai like making generating the track every time you change it it changes something and you can see it in the waveform oh that's cool and like that's the level of you know I, I did this myself with a keyboard like at home music production that we've we've reached and again if it depends on how much you go like pirate hunting for free stuff or how much access you have to like the good stuff right but if i can share a funny story i saw in one of my like music groups on facebook uh again i love hunting for good uh free uh vsts because i just think it's a nice culture to like make music accessible but someone posted in like a i think a film scoring group that they were wondering if anyone had a free uh vst virtual instrument for an erhu, which is a relatively obscure instrument because it's it's Chinese traditional, hmm. that they could use for like a film scoring, a student film scoring thing that they were doing, right? Hmm. And the man himself, Hans Zimmer, like checkmark verified and everything, wrote like a paragraph shaming this poor guy for like looking for a free VST. Like you, and this is true. He's like, you owe it to the musicians to like pay for the library of the sample and it's like all right Hans zimmer with your like multi-million estate and you're not even writing like most of your music anymore anyway <laughs> like geez but anyway I, th- I think we can move on from talking about Hans zimmer well, well, i just want to say i don't want to give the impression like we're being really hard on this guy i agree with i think mainly i agree with eric it's nice that even you know someone who might not have the money or even the a lot of technological know-how can do these things and i think that's really cool and i think he's obviously a great musician you know wherever he is he can i'd love to hear him just play piano you know just live or something and i'm sure that would be good so i don't want to be like i hope we're not coming off too mean it's just a conversation about you know the instruments and virtual instruments i think we might want to at least in editing kind of try and frame more of the positivity <laughs> because we were mostly harping on the technology here i think we're all we're all fans of the uh the fact that you can just do this like in your basement music studio you know yeah all right yeah all right. why don't we move on though so um 
Matt, you're wrapping it up today, yeah. right? What do you got so, for us? I have um, this track called I Hate Christmas, and it's by this guy, Christopher Coates, and it's from the album I Hate Christmas. It's a single. Um, it's the only thing I could find by this uh, person, just kind of, kind of like Eric here, a one-hit wonder type deal. Um, oh, but can you I imagine it... just screaming out into the void, I hate Christmas, and then disappearing forever. What a hero. <laughs> Not the hero that we needed, but the hero we deserved. Yeah. Um, but I found this one kind of funny just by the title. You know, I, I think contrary humor is always funny. But it's also like nice and meta now for us now that we're in episode 26 you know no more health insurance for our baby podcast oh, um oh. <laughs> 26 it's the Get last it political year. it's it's the, it's the health insurance here guys um, no i know it yep but no, i found the title just you know funny initially and then the song funny initially but also you know we've listened to plenty of christmas songs on this podcast and we've discussed you know, what makes a Christmas song a Christmas song? How does a Christmas song become like a canonically accepted Christmas song? Uh, so what makes an anti-Christmas song, right? So let's play the selection that we had. And then I also do just want to grab like the first 10 seconds because of how it introduces itself. Sure, so play start? the first sample, Robbie. So I like the presentation of the music, it, like this kind of like a chain smoking one pack a day sounds like they might lose a lung any second. Sugar Rose kind of light finger pick guitar playing and yeah, that like breathy voice and the very deadpan delivery of the second line there after you Santa Claus. <laughs> right. It has a nice rhyme scheme to like the end of the the chorus. I just think. It, yeah, if we're picturing like all the all of the, I don't know, media portrayals of like the year without Santa, where everything's like gray and monochrome and like sad, then the, like this guy totally nailed it. This is your anti-Christmas song. So now go ahead and play the first like ten seconds, so we can hear the like how he achieves the immediate Christmas kind of uh, thing there. Yeah, so right off the bat, he gets you with the old, ah, jingle bells and an eighth note steady rhythm. Right. That's a Christmas song, right? That's Christmas all, to me. We all know that if you want to make it a Christmas song, it's just got to have a jingle bells and like a steady eighth note rhythm there. And then that like violin sound comes in completely out of tempo, without a care for what's happening beforehand, and cadences into like, I don't know, a deceptive key area give us the anti-christmas so i thought that was just right. very funny in this presentation no that's yeah that is kind of a little uh slick there the kind of almost stumbling into the the introduction right at a different tempo speaking of speaking of maybe vsts that don't sound so good a not yeah. very good violin sound 
and then yeah, I guess that's it's it's sort of like yeah that that deceptive cadence there is a good way of incorporating it into you know this this next thing. And I do want to say I really like the chorus especially, and I think I like it a, a lot or, or particularly because once we get into this main verse, it's very. The, like the first verse is very static. It's very like very repetitive. It's like one or two chords that just sort of meander back and forth, and then we've got a lot more movement in the in the chorus, and I think that you know just gives it a lot of punch for me, makes it very effective. Yeah, I think that's a good point. The the first section is very static. I wasn't sure where he with such an evocative title of "I Hate Christmas." The first chorus doesn't really give too much away. You're kind of like, so how are we going to get to the part where he hates Christmas? Or like, where is this, um, where is the hatred coming from? You know, and then the <laughs> chorus comes in and you understand. I do also want to know, you know, who hurt him? Uh, <laughs> why out of everything that he could have made, you know, because, you know, there's there's some clear talent there and he has an artistic style and um approach and like good instrument um good instrument playing ability and and all of that like why did he choose to make this one particular song and why is this the only thing associated with him um i like that yeah. there's there's kind of levels to that question because like the in song lore is that santa never gives him what he wants yeah. which if you really peel back the layers then that just really means he's from a childhood age his parents were not getting him the christmas gifts that he wanted Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. But like the real life question to be asked is, yeah, why did he make this song? <laughs> right? Yeah. Just one <laughs> imagine you had one shot, one song. Ah, oh, I gotta communicate something about myself to the world. Like what it- was the impetus for this, aside from maybe the obvious of I hate Christmas? Because also if you go to him, it's this song, but then the radio edit that doesn't have the little explicit next to it. So this song was on the radio? There's gotta be more to this. Yeah, there's a lot here. Christopher Coates is an awesome name, by the way. Right. Yeah, the, honestly, when I was trying to look him up, um, you know how, like, products have random names sometimes? Yeah. I was getting a lot of, like, Coates. It's like, the Christopher. <laughs> oh, okay. Ooh. From, like, Ooh. Nordstrom, Nordstrom. That's, like, some J. Crew stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> right this way, sir. Please try on our Christopher. Well, I mean, like, um... I, I bought my girlfriend, like, a Kate Spade bag for her birthday, and, like, they just have names. Right. They're this just, bag's like... called Clarissa. No, like, seriously. Yeah. And then you've got, like, Ikea, which is all, like, do you want a Bjorn? You know? Yeah, uh, yeah. They've, all, got, uh, they've got a set of shelves that are just called Swedish names. Alex. Like, no, they don't even have the dots over the E. It's just A-L-E-X. A lovely name for some shelves. Yeah. They were nice-looking shelves. But, I mean... That's a great question. Who hurt this guy? Why did he... His one shot was, I hate Christmas. That's good. I mean, like, yeah, obviously the impetus, if we're believing the in-song lore, is that, yeah, his parents never got him what he wanted. But to make a whole song, and that be your (laughs) only track ever, just on that one thing, I feel like there's more there. Anyway... You know what else? I can't help but hear for the chorus. It's got the um, what's that Coldplay song? That's like I used to rule the world. You know that oh, one? Uh, oh, that's Viva, Viva La Vida. Viva La Vida. 
Yeah, the chorus has got that. So in my head, I'm just hearing a slowed down ba 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 the whole time. Let's do it. Let's listen to this and try not to hear that in your head while it's oh happening. Right. Wait, hold on. Did I do the? Right? I'm not going crazy there. It's it's very similar root motion for like the chord progression. That's what it made me think of. I think like one of those chords isn't maybe like the right quality or something in the progression, but I, yeah. I actually I hear what you're hearing now. Ah. Uh. Cold it's play. an interesting connection, Robbie. I wouldn't have made it like you pointed out, and I can hear it, but I'm not sure I ever would have come to that on my own. I don't. Coldplay lives rent free in my head, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> man, you know what's been living rent free in my head? Uh, the fucking cinnamon toast shrimp guy. Oh fuck! He's married to Topanga. <laughs> and like, there's more, dude. There, what? There's just like more and more and more. Like his his name is like Carp. His like wife's name is or something or no something like that hmm. uh they they bought the they bought the box of cereal at, at walmart on topanga boulevard he was part of a podcast called the pistol shrimps and then I have no idea where you guys is this are viral marketing and then what is this? a verified twitter user went on and was like oh cool my abuser is now viral and it's like this is what? His, ex, his ex-girlfriend is like a verified person on Twitter saying that he was the most abusive person that she ever been with. I don't... What What are we talking about? You just haven't been on, quite on the internet as much as we have, Eric. Did you what? not hear cinnamon about toast the, the Cinnamon Toast Crunch box that had shrimp tails in it? And then they tried to gaslight him into believing that it was just like hardened sugar. I the... think I saw the original post, but none of this fallout... Dude, it's been a wild ride. And I I think I saw it and assumed it was just it's like a joke, like he threw shrimp in the box or whatever and made a stupid meme. I don't know. Like Well the sad thing is I don't do you think we'll that? ever know. Like short of you having a video of you opening a fresh box of cinnamon toast crunch, and why would anyone ever do that? <laughs> like and pouring shrimp out? <laughs> <laughs> like what? Like how would? Why would anyone believe that that's real? I don't understand. Uh, I can't. Fuck. I want to be friends with a guy who's like set up the camera, milk cereal bowl, just in case. <laughs> well, like it's like the Wendy's chili thing. Remember when like someone found a finger in the Wendy's chili like years ago? Oh yeah. And then it turned out that the person who bought it was missing their finger and had lost it in a work accident. And Wendy's never stopped to ask until like a month later, was the person who found this, did they have all their fingers or like, you know, like, I think we'll never know if this is just like a viral marketing scheme or some shit, but like, it's been a wild ride to follow. Yeah, right, I'll have I, to take a closer look at it. Yeah, I had only gotten this far as that he's married to the actress who played Topanga. I didn't yeah. hear any, any of like the the street names or about the abuse accusation there. I don't know. I didn't My know. friend has been posting, like, live updates to it. Well. But anyway, certain... that's completely off topic now. But I think I think that wraps up about everything I had to say about the Christopher Coates I Hate Christmas song. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. Shall we move on to our ending segment? Yes, I'm preparing my... my... So, to get well, my... I am prepared. Yeah, I'll go first. Because... 
Okay. Today was a big day. <laughs> Don't laugh at me, Eric. A special day. Yes, today was the day that our Lord and Savior, IU, famous Korean pop singer, beloved by the nation, the nation's little sister, released her fifth album, Lilac. So I've been listening to that day, well, all day. I can't say day and night yet. All day. So go and give Lilac a listen by IU. This week, I actually listened to the band that we found last week, Blue. I put them on for a little bit. They're from Japan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Robbie messed it up. I Uh, didn't. Spotify fucking has the wrong bio on their thing. Okay, so it's not really your fault. I take no responsibility, Senator. The last track on their album is called Speak So Loud. And it cracked me up because throughout the uh, track, the vocals are just being panned out. So, like, the track is called, like, Speak So Loud, but, like, it just, like, the, the sound slowly disappears from the lead vocals over the course of the... Oh, okay. That's what you mean. Song. Yeah, it's like a joke. It's a joke. Yeah. I thought at first you meant panned out, like, it keeps going back and forth between... Different... Oh, left or right. Yeah. yeah. No, I just... Yeah. They just kept turning it down and down as he... That's funny. ...shout into the... Good day. Right, what do you got for us? Well, yeah. this week, I also went back to one of my old favorites, uh, the album The Brilliant Corners by Thelonious Monk, a classic, one of his great albums. Lots of interesting compositions and arrangements on, on this one. And I think Thelonious Monk is one of those artists that it's like, I don't know, do you guys have ones that I'm never tired of listening to him? It's just like, I'll always have time to listen to the, his album or to him again. I don't know. It's just something that doesn't really grate on me ever. I've heard that from a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, I heard that really. It's IU. <laughs> <laughs> IU is like extremely. She's. I think she was my most played uh, Spotify artist thing in like the year in review. Gotcha. But I have, for you, Robbie. I've I've heard a lot of people say that about Monk. Like people that like Thelonious Monk, they just say like his music is. It's like its own thing or something, you know. Yeah, it, it's it's one of those that it's. I guess it's hard to put into words, but it's it's so idiosyncratic without being performative. Normally, if if someone's music is so different, it it sometimes it's like it's trying too hard. Like yeah. it's very ostentatious in a sort of you know weirdness. But his is just all a hundred percent natural, a hundred percent accessible. But also, it's his own thing. It's it's his own unique way of playing that nobody else truly i think no one else really has so never get tired of it idiosyncratic is the exact word that my our the jazz professor uh used when he was talking about monk hmm. oh is it my oh that's sorry i keep forgetting that i do this part after this and then we all just stare at each other a little while i'm cutting this part out so that about wraps it up for episode 26 everybody thank you so much for listening if you could uh Follow us wherever you're listening and like and rate if you're able to on whatever podcast app or whatever you're using. You can also reach out to us on uh, Twitter at Drop Haystack and on Facebook and Instagram at Drop the Needle in the Haystack. Uh, Yeah, Eric, why don't you take us out? Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next week.